So today, welcome to those who have snuck in since we started, and it's great to have you with us. Um, and those of you here for the first time, it's good to have you with us. It's really great. I trust that you've been made to feel welcome. Today we continue um, the mini-series on the gifts of the Spirit, looking at the second part of the manifestation gifts. I just want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now last week I said that the manifestation gifts could be divided into three groups. There are revelation gifts, um, inspiration or vocal gifts, and power gifts. Those are the three different ones. And last week, we looked at the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, uh, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And today, we are looking at the inspiration or vocal gifts. And there are three inspirational vocal gifts given by the Holy Spirit. There's the gift of tongues, both personal and corporate, the interpretation of tongues, which we've had both this morning. It's been wonderful that God shows up when we're talking about this, and then prophecy. We speak prophetic words. So, the gift of tongues. We're going to work through those three. We'll look at those three now, this morning. The gift of tongues is both personal and corporate. And this morning we've experienced that, where there was a tongue given and the interpretation. Um, so, that's a corporate one. But there's personal gift of tongues, which is for each and every one of us. It's the only gift the Holy Spirit gives to us that is our own to keep. We keep the gift of tongues for our souls, and we can speak in other tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Tongues are a unique New Testament experience. Not once is it mentioned that anyone spoke in tongues before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, the first thing that happened after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost was that all believers spoke in tongues. The Gentiles spoke in tongues. We'll see that you can see that I'll give you references. We're not going to see the scriptures up. But in Acts 10, 44 to 46, the Gentiles spoke in tongues. Um, when Peter went to visit the guys and they started speaking in tongues, manifestation took place. The gift of tongues was promised by Jesus in Mark 16, 17. It's given by the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 4. It's a supernatural impartation. It's not learnt intellectually. In Acts 2, 7 to 12, you can read that. So the gift of tongues is given to each one of us. It's a personal thing that each one of us gets to keep. It's the only gift that we get to keep, that we don't give away to others. It's for us to communicate with God. So the purpose of this gift is it, it enables us to communicate with God, spirit to spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.2 tells us that. It builds us up personally. It edifies us, strengthens us, comforts us. 1 Corinthians 14.4 tells us that. Now, often when I'm cycling in and out of London, uh, while I'm cycling, I'll pray in tongues. 
because it's something you can do with the, without the mind being focused on anything, because I'm focused on where I'm cycling, where I'm going, what I'm doing. But I can pray in tongues because it's an edification of myself. It strengthens me. It strengthens me as I communicate spirit to spirit with God. And it's wonderful we can do that. Um, just to make sure you keep your eyes open while you're praying in tongues, if you, especially if you're cycling in London or driving in London. London. But it... Um, so it builds us up personally. It teaches us to pray according to the, the will of God. When we start praying in tongues, we are then praying in the, the will of God. Romans 8, 26, 27 tells us that. And it's a sign to unbelievers as well because they don't understand what's going on and you can, you can speak about it. Open, it's asked questions in 1 Corinthians 14, 21, 22 and Mark 16, 17 tells us about that. It can be a language of another nation or a heavenly language. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And we've experienced that, where somebody prophesied or spoke, gave a tongue in a language that somebody else actually knew that language. Nobody in, in the room knew that person knew that language. And so it, to them, it wasn't a foreign language. It was a language that they knew. And so that's a, a gift of tongue. But the person who spoke it did not speak the language naturally. There was a gift of tongues. So that's, for us personally, we have the gift of tongues to enable us to communicate with God. Spirit to spirit. When you run out of words when you're praying, that's a great time to pray in tongues. And because then it's your spirit communicating with God through His Spirit. So there's that. Then there's the corporate gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 to 13 says, So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. Okay, and we had that this morning. A, a tongue was given and the interpretation was given. It's not always the same person. It's very seldom the same person. But there are times when it can be the same person, giving both the tongue and the interpretation. We see that in Scripture. Now, it comes from the Greek words genos glossia. Now, genos is kind, kindreds, or family groups. It's where the English word genus comes from, you know, when you talk about the different types of plants, they have this genus or that genus and that, so it's a, it's a kind or kindreds of family groups. It's a variation of different kinds of things within the same family. So in the dog, dog family, there's a whole lot of different gena, genus, different kinds of dogs. Glossia refers to the tongue as an organ, the thing that's in your mouth. That's a glossia, it's the Greek word for tongue. It means the use of the physical organ in forming the words that are unknown to you. You use your tongue to speak in tongues. Um, and some people struggle with that when, they, when they're wanting to speak in tongues, they don't know what to do. And they stand there and do nothing. And you say, no, you've got to make a noise. When a baby learns to speak, a baby doesn't just go from nothing to saying words. The baby makes noises. It babbles. It does, makes noise. The tongue moves. And you've got to do the same thing. When you want to learn to pray in tongues, your tongue's got to move for you to be able to do that. So the tongue is used to do this. So this refers to publicly prophesying in tongues to build up the church, as we had this morning. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, 27. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. And the 1 Corinthians 14, 26 is one of my favorite verses. 
And uh, yeah, for those who've been around a long time, you've heard it said, but it's, we are seeing it happen in the church. It's taken many years for it to happen, but we are seeing it happen in the church as it should be. It should be doing all the time. You know, we can, everyone has. So if you are here today, you're one of the everyone. Okay, you're not excluded from the everyone. You just need to tune into, into God, tune into the Holy Spirit and say, what is it that you've got for me today to share with others? So the gift, um, it's for everyone there. This gift is the same as the gift of prophecy, except here we hear the message of the Lord in a different language, in another tongue. And that is why the gift of tongues and the gift of interpreting tongues must operate together. They need to operate together. When you are praying in tongues on your own, you don't need an interpretation because that's you and God communicating. But when it's in a public uh, forum and there's a tongue given, there needs to be the interpretation. So the gift of interpretation of tongues. Interpretation comes from the Greek word hermunio. Hermeneutics, all of those things come from there. It's understanding, which is explaining the words of foreign or different languages. It's not translating. It's not a translation. It's speaking out something that God gives you the understanding and you speak it out. It's explaining the words of a foreign or different language. Interpretation of tongues is a spiritual gift given to reveal the meaning of what has been prophesied without having the knowledge and understanding of the language spoken. That's generally, there are exceptions to that, where you will find somebody will prophesy in a known, in a, what is a known language, and someone there knows that language, and they will translate it into what the, the language is that everybody else is speaking. So, um, I mean, you could take whatever, two, three languages, if you're meeting, Marty was back home in Hungary, and somebody came along, a Hungarian person came along there that had no understanding of English, and gave a word in English, Marty would be able to interpret that into Hungarian for them. That's an interpretation. So it's a, a language you don't know, but someone might know it. Okay. So that we need to have interpretation when there's a public tongue given. So the interpretation of, of the tongue is a spiritual gift given to reveal the meaning of what has been prophesied without having the knowledge and understanding of the language spoken. And the purpose of it is the interpretation that makes tongues powerful and effective and gives them the added element of the supernatural. We understand that is God speaking. There was a word this morning, a tongue this morning, and the interpretation. God was speaking to us. Tongues attract attention as well. And the interpretation makes it clear. When somebody gives a tongue, like we suddenly all perk up, what's happening? And then we get the interpretation and say, okay, this is what God is saying to us. And we've got to weigh that word up, we've got to listen to it, we've got to hear it, and we need to respond to it as well. God doesn't speak to us just for the sake of speaking to us. He wants to speak to us so that we can then take on that word and hear what he's saying to us. The third one is prophecy. Romans 12:6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Dennis Bennett, an American pastor, describes prophecy as speaking the mind of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and not by our own thoughts. Speaking the mind of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and not by our own thoughts. God is a communicating God, and He wants to speak to us. 
We know that. He loves to speak to us. From the beginning of time, he spent time with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he spoke to them. He had time with them. And he loves speaking to us. He hasn't stopped wanting to speak to us. He speaks to us, his people. God used his word and his son to speak to us. Now he uses the Holy Spirit. It's not the same as the ministry of the prophet. Okay, the gift of prophecy is not the same as the ministry of the prophet. Ephesians 4, where you find the, the, the fivefold ministry, it's, those are different. And we might get onto that. We might look at those later on. It's not always foretelling the future, but it is speaking forth what is on the heart and mind of God or speaking forth the counsel of God. So it's not always just telling what's going to happen in the future. It could be here, now. What is God saying? Somebody needs to hear something now and God will speak to them through that prophecy. And it's not preaching. That's a prepared word. Okay, but within preaching, you can have prophesying happening, where I've got a prepared message, and then God will just take me off on a sidetrack or whatever, or say something through me that is not in my notes, not what I prepared, and that would be a prophecy. Okay, it would speak to somebody or more than one person specifically. It would touch their hearts because God wanted to say something. So it can happen, but it's not preaching, because that's a prepared word. Um, but during preaching, there can be prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And that's how you can know whether it's a word from God or not. Prophecy strengthens and builds up the church. It never puts down. It never breaks down. It never tears down. Prophecy encourages and exhorts. It urges, it pleads, and it convinces the church. There will be an urging, there will be an encouragement. It will never put people down. And prophecy comforts the church. Tender speech designed to bring relief and rest. So if it doesn't line up with those three, then we know that's not of God. Um, a discouraged Christian is a useless Christian, and the devil knows this. And so he tries to discourage believers. And so if a word that is being given is a discouragement, that's not of God. We know that's not of God because it's got to strengthen, it's got to encourage, and it's got to comfort us. So some guidelines to prophesy. Firstly, all may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For, all, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. We can all prophesy. Don't ever say, I can't, okay, to God, because then you're stopping yourself from being open to God using you. All can prophesy. And also understand that there are different levels of prophecy, mature and immature prophecies. Romans 12, 12, 6 is in proportion to his faith. In proportion to his faith. So someone who's not a mature believer could come along and just say, God loves you. You know, that is a prophetic word. God loves you. But it's, it's one that is very simple. It's immature to a certain extent. But it's true. It's the truth. So it's a prophetic word. But we need to move on from that, and we need to grow in maturity in our prophecy, hearing from God, hearing what He wants to say to us. And sometimes it can be as simple as God loves you. And it could be an experienced, well-established Christian who's been prophesying or been used in, in prophecy for years could come... With a, with a message like that. But for a new believer, where they're struggling, they're still learning all these things, to say something like that, God loves you, 
It lines up with Scripture, it strengthens, it exhorts, and it comforts. So it's a word from God. And you can say that. And there must be order in prophecy. There's never disorder in prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and verse 40 as well. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregation of the saints. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Order is that which facilitates the life of the Spirit in the meeting. And there can be times when the Holy Spirit moves and it looks like it's messy. Things are happening. People have, God is doing things in people's lives and they could be crying, they could be laughing, they could be doing things, they could be whatever happening around there, but there will still be order within that. Someone might look at it and think it's crazy, but there's order. Disorder is when there's a strange voice, speaking in a strange voice. That's not of God. It's a discouragement. It's a correction of church and leaders. Words of correction are to be brought to the leaders first. So if you ever feel that you have a word of correction that God has given you, then you need to bring it to the leaders, to submit it to the leaders. And uh, the other disorder is that long prophecies that can turn into sermons of prophecy. Normally, prophetic words are short. They're not long. When it's somebody like that, now that's the flesh coming in. It's somebody looking to promote themselves and actually not following what God is saying. So when the leaders feel that God wants to speak to the church, open it up to the church. And we do. We do it every Sunday. We open. We, we want people to. But if you're not sure, then bring your word to the leaders first. Speak to one of the leaders and say, I'm sensing this. Does this line up with, with, with God's word? Is this a word from God? I'm not sure. And especially for a new believer, if you're not sure, come and submit that to the leaders. And we've had that. We've had good examples of that here, where people have come to Dylan and I, to others of the leadership team, and to others that are mature Christians saying, this is what I've been sensing, feeling. Is this right? And they'll say yes, because they weigh it up, and it lines up with what God's Word says. So, and we need to know the people that are prophesying. You don't just let any stranger prophesy. We had that, I think Jill shared it a few times in our connect groups and small groups and even from up front here. Many years ago when we were in a church in Durban, the ones, even, we only had an evening meeting and we were meeting and there were two girls that were visiting, two young ladies that were visiting and the one stood up and gave, gave a tongue and then her friend stood up and gave the interpretation and it was totally off key, totally wrong and our pastor, he was a young pastor, um, he was he was in his early 20s and hadn't been pastoring for a long time. And he just allowed, he's also of an Afrikaans, come from an Afrikaans background, so very polite to women. You don't just shut them down, you, you know, you respect them. And so he didn't stop this woman from giving the interpretation. Mali, our worship leader, was standing in the back going, cut, cut, just don't let her go on. And Chris didn't respond. And he let it happen. The next Sunday, when we got together, he said, who's had a bad week? And like, just about everybody put their hand up. And he said, I need to apologize to you. I should never have allowed that interpretation to go on. We should have stopped it. That was not of God. That was not of God. And it affected just about everybody in the church. But we learned from it. A couple of years later, there was a guy that tried to do the same thing. He got frog-marched out the church when he wouldn't keep quiet. He insisted on speaking, speaking. So it was two of us went and took him outside the church. Two guys put him in a car, drove him about three miles away, and dropped him off there. When we came out of the meeting in the evening, he was outside the building. He had walked 
all the way from the Durban beachfront back to where we were meeting. He had walked and he was outside the church ranting and raving. But he had come from a, a church that was a breakaway that was, had been started with the totally wrong attitude. And the, the pastor who started it thought he should have been a pastor and he wasn't accepted as one, and he got this group together, and so they were all disgruntled people that were there, um, feeding on one another's um, disgruntledness. So they, they never brought a, a clear word from God. But you know, so a couple of years later, it was all sorted. When they, that happened, knew exactly what to do. Shut it down. You don't allow anybody just to prophesy and do that. Thirdly, the, the one bringing the prophecy must be self-controlled. 1 Corinthians 14.32, the spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. Okay, if you've got a prophetic word coming, you don't just shout it out in the middle of the meeting. You wait until it's appropriate, when there's a lull or there's a quiet. And it's often, that's why we actually like people to come to the front to give that word. Because if people are watching online, they don't hear what's going on. They don't, don't pick up, those of us in, in the hall hear it, but those that are online don't hear it, it doesn't get recorded. And so it's always great to have it done from the front. And there's control. So you've got time to walk to the front and give the word and do that rather than just shout it out from there. And you don't just do it in the middle of everything. So while there's worship going on, you wouldn't just give a prophetic word then. You would wait. And that's also, if you've got a prophetic word, when you walk to the front, the worship team can see and they will then give you opportunity to speak out. So it's a good thing to do. So there's... Self-control. Bring the prophecy in the right time and in the right way. And then, all prophecy must be judged. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Judge the word that is brought, not the person. Okay? Judge the word that is brought, not the person. And New Testament prophecy is different in nature from Old Testament prophecy. You've got to understand that. So when somebody brings a word in the new, now in our times, listen to the word and uh, hear what they're saying. And it is different from Old Testament prophecy. The Old Testament prophets brought God's word to the people. Jeremiah 1.9 says, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Old Testament prophecies were accurate words of God. There was no need to test them, just the need to obey them. And why? Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 22 tells us, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I'll put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. So who wants to be a prophet in the Old Testament? You may say to yourself, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. The Old Testament prophets got it wrong. They were killed. And yet, when you look at Old Testament prophecy, there's prophetic words that were given that only came to pass many years later after the prophet had died. But it was within the prophecies that that prophet spoke, and all the other ones came to pass. There were just certain things that only happened much later on. 
And so you could know that those were words of God. New Testament prophecy is in part. It does not give the full picture. 1 Corinthians 13, 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So that's what we've got to understand, that we don't always give the whole thing. We don't understand all of it. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. Now, how do we judge prophecy? We are told to do that. We look at the prophet. Is it someone who is close to God? That you know they walk closely with God? Is it someone who's reliable, trustworthy, faithful? Look at that. We need to look at the person. But we don't judge that person. We need to judge the word. We look at the word spoken. And we can hear different things. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking. It's a word from God, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It could be a lie of the devil. And we need to be aware of that. That's why we judge it. And it could be just the flesh. Somebody who's frustrated and or thinks that they are prophetic and they will you know, want to give a word. Um, what they're saying, what is being said, is it against or contrary to the word of God? It must line up with the word. Prophetic word must line up with the word. And is the prophecy accurate? We've got to test the word. We also test the prophet in some ways. What is their character like? What is their character like? Are they looking for promotion within, in, uh, within the church, self-promotion? Like, look at me, I'm important. Or are they promoting church? Are they promoting God? Are they promoting what God is doing in our midst? Is it a prophetic word for the church to build up the church? Or is it something to make themselves look important? And I know we don't have people in this, in this group here that are, that are doing that. When a word comes from, most people here are quite reluctant to give words. And I think God's got to really urge them to do that, um, to give it. And so I don't see anyone here that we've had where words have come through that has been looking for self-promotion at all. It's always been for the church, which is, we are so grateful for that. So we've got to look at what is their Christian walk like? Are they loving people or are they legalistic? You know, how, do they, how do they live their lives? What, the, what is their walk like? Do they speak the word in love or are they harsh? How do they bring the word. How is it said? Now, sometimes we can have some misunderstandings. Just some people say things and they can sound harsh. You know, just it's, but it just could be the way they speak. I've often had people say to me, like, don't shout at me. We say, well, actually, I'm not. I'm just talking to you. I just have a loud voice. And with my accent, sometimes it can, can sound aggressive. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. You've got, got to get used to it. It was just the other day. I was in London working, and we had these. We had barriers set out so people could walk, couldn't walk through because we were carrying stuff through there. And this one guy comes walking through. I said, "You can't walk through here. You've got to go around." He said, "Please don't shout at me." I said, "I'm not shouting. You. I just said you've got to go around. Don't shout at me." I said, "If you want me to shout, you, I'll shout at you. You'll know the difference." You know, so just go the other way. And um, I can at times sound aggressive, but I'm not being aggressive. And so we've just got to understand that as well. You know, don't. Uh, don't just judge them straight away and say, oh, it's not, not God's word. It's, not, it's a harsh word. Do be aware of that as well. If you know the person, it's so much easier. Yeah. There have got to be cautions as well. So one of the cautions is don't judge the word by what the prophet looks like. Um, because sometimes you'll get people that, are, that do dress differently 
and people think, oh, they're just crazy, but they'll be very prophetic or can move in the, in, in, in the gift of prophecy. Um, you look at Jesus, he was a normal-looking person, sort of dressed like everybody else, because sometimes they struggle to see him in the crowd. He dressed like everyone else, where John the Baptist was unusual, you know, in his camel, camel hair coat and leather belt and eating locusts and honey. He was unusual, but he was a prophet. So also, don't judge the word by the way the person speaks. Especially in this country where you get so many different accents and you've got so many, so many different class levels. It used to be three class levels in this country. What's it now? Something like seven or eight or whatever. So are they educated or uneducated? You know, don't judge them by the way the person speaks. Are they an adult or a child? Because you get children that are, that are very prophetic or move in the prophetic so easily because they're not in, uh, encumbered by all these hindrances and worries about like, what's it? They just have a word from God and they speak it. And I mean, that's often children are like that, where they will just speak the word that, that comes to mind, and, and God will use that. So don't judge the person by the way they speak. Because a child will speak in a very, more, in a very simplistic way as opposed to, to an adult. Where should the gift of prophecy be operating? In every church meeting. We should have the gift of prophecy in every church meeting. Sunday services, when we gather together on Sunday. Prayer meetings, connect group, uh, home group meetings, leaders meetings. Whenever you gather together, the word of the prophecy could be operating. It should be operating. They're hearing God. God, what are you saying? Sometimes you might say a prophetic word without actually realizing that it's something, because it's just God gives it to you and you speak it out in one of those meetings. Then outside of the church as well, on the streets, in our encounters with others. Wherever God chooses to use you. So you need to make yourself available to God. Are you open to God using you out in the streets? Where you can just see someone and just something about them strikes you or whatever and you just have the sense there's something you want to go and say something to them. And it might be a simple thing. I mean, I had it the other day. I had to go for a, for a blood test and the lady at the, the Pearly Hospital who was there, the receptionist that I had to see, um, was sitting there, and she, I, this is what I've come in for you, no problem, sit down. Coming back, she gave me a lovely smile as I was walking out. And I just said to you, do you know you've got a lovely smile? You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't being, I wasn't hitting on her or anything like that. It was just, I just felt prompted to say it, because I'd actually walked past her, and I stopped. I just felt prompted to say to her, just go and tell her, she's got such a lovely smile. And I did. And that was it, I walked off. There was nothing more than that, but I'm sure it encouraged her, and it blessed her. And so there's things like that we've got to be listening to God, where he'll sometimes just give us something simple to say to someone. Now last week I mentioned the differences between prophecy, where it tells us something to come, future, word of wisdom, which is a present word for what we do right now, and a word of knowledge which reveals what has already happened, past. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Follow the way of love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So when we look at prophecy, it's about, it is mainly speaking about the future. We need to eagerly desire it. Eagerly desire. Do you eagerly desire to have the gift of prophecy? The Spirit of God is blowing. The Spirit of God is moving. Be caught up in the wind and don't resist the call and the outpouring of the Spirit. God's door, the door is open and it's time to move through it into all that God has for us.
We need to be moving into what God has for us. And we have been. It's been wonderful to see this happening. And we've been incredibly blessed. This year, God has been doing some wonderful things in our midst. So, the Spirit of God is blowing. Like on the day of Pentecost, when that wind came through, let's get caught up in the wind and don't resist the call and the outpouring of the Spirit. So which of these gifts do you want to ask God to use you in? Or do you want to be available to? Do you have the gift of tongues? You know, personal. Do you? If you don't, we're going to hopefully sort that out today. So, discussion questions. Discussion questions. Number one, our normal one, what stood out for you in this talk? What one thing stood out for you, for you in this talk? Secondly, if you do not speak in tongues, do you desire to do so? Ask the Holy Spirit for this gift, then get your table to pray with you for you to receive the gift. Okay. So if you don't speak in tongues, do you desire? Because you need to have that desire. If you don't desire it, you're not going to ask God for it. You know, you're not going to be stirring of him. And it took me a while to start speaking in tongues. And I had a real desire to speak in tongues. And it just happened where I was visiting a church, and in the midst of the meeting, the pastor was up, and he just looked at me, I was sitting down, and he pointed at me, he said, you, the Holy Spirit has given you the gift of tongues now. So there was a prophetic word from him, and just said to me, that was it. And I'd been desiring it. Nobody prayed for me, nobody laid hands on me, and I started speaking in tongues. Not shouting out or babbling out or anything like that, but it just started, it released it in me. And there was a desire in it, but it took a motivation like that of him speaking out and releasing. And it happened. So, do you desire? Ask for those at your table to pray for you. And then, pray for one another as the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay, if you want to mix up or move to another table, or stay where you are this time as you're fairly mixed up because there's people at different tables today, that's great. For those who are online, um, if you're on your own and um, you want to desire to speak in tongues, you'll just ask God to do it and then just start speaking. Make a noise, start speaking, and he'll give you the gift of tongues.